Hello and welcome back to Earth Like Heaven. My name is Doug Russler and joining me as always is Robbie Sherry and we are here to help you close the gap between heaven and earth in your life by learning to live like Jesus. And speaking of Jesus, Robbie, we are talking about Christmas and it's the last podcast of the fall and we've been talking all fall about what is God doing to, to settle the problems of evil and chaos and injustice and pain and suffering in our world. There's so much of that going around and people ask the question, if there's a God, how could he let those things happen? What is he doing about it? And of course, the answer from the Christian perspective is that he sent his one and only son to die in order to defeat the powers of sin and death once and for all and to and to sort of inaugurate his kingdom on earth knowing that there will come a day when that Jesus will return again and this time the kingdom will come in all of its fullness and all of its power and all yeah. of its glory we talked last time about advent how it's like the season of waiting we're sort of preparing to celebrate christmas celebrate the birth of this child but it's also a time where we wait in expectation for the second coming as well and and in that way you know when people talk about hope isn't a strategy because they mean that you know when they talk about hopes in, in that context they're talking about really like wishful thinking you know you're just kind of I don't know if it's going to happen yeah. and who knows what's going to happen and that's why hope can't be a strategy for the Christian really hope is the strategy it's not just a strategy it is the strategy and the reason why it's the strategy is because we can look back 2,000 years ago and we can mark the day we can kind of mark the time we can you know mark the time period at, at a minimum and say there was a guy Jesus who was born into this world um, and he walked among us and he taught us and he lived among us and he healed people and he did all these miracles. And at the end of his life, he suffered, he died, he rose again, he ascended into heaven and the rest really is history. It really is history. And I think mm -hmm. that's really what sets Christianity apart from yeah. my perspective, from every other world religion out there, right. every other world religion, they have their prophets, they have their their mythological stories and figures and these kinds of things. But the Christian story is really built around this guy that mm -hmm. appeared in history. And so, you know, when you think about Christmas and you think about that being the ground of our hope, that being yeah. the foundation of our hope, again, we're talking about something that is historically based. What, 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 what difference does that make in your mind as you think about that and you ponder that as you, you know, you celebrate it? I mean, you and I were talking offline even before this about how like, isn't it interesting that around the world today, I mean, gosh, there's all kinds of holidays during this season. There's Diwali, there's Kwanzaa, there's Hanukkah. I mean, there's all kinds of different holidays from all these major religions, but the one by far that is the most dominant. And I don't, again, I kind of don't care where you go in the world today. The one by far that's the most dominant worldwide, globally, is Christmas. There's just mm. something about it, even mm. for people that don't believe, that draws them in. So what, yeah. what do you think that is? I think it taps into some fundamental things about human nature that even if you're not raised in the Christian faith, you want to be true. Mm. You... Yeah. you you want there to be something after you die. Yeah. And you want that thing to be good. Yeah. And you want it to not have the stuff in the world that you don't like, mm. but have a greater reality of the stuff that you do like. Right. And the idea that a person sacrificed himself for your benefit. Mm. I mean, just that idea yeah. speaks to this we all want that. I mean, that's mm. what parents do. Parents mm. sacrifice themselves for the benefit of their kids. And in some way it, it taps into this thing in us that we, we want to be known by a father. Mm. We want to be loved so much to the point that when the father says, I would lay down my life for you, we want that to be true. 
we want that to we want to be told that we're okay hmm. even though we look in the mirror and go I'm, I'm not okay hmm. we want to be told no 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 you're okay not because of what you do because of who I am and who hmm. I say you are in me and all of these things I think are universal to the human experience they're not specific to to somebody raised in a yeah. in a family that goes to church or something like that and that that transcends culture time location, everything. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, you talk about how like one per, you know, this idea of, of someone sacrificing themselves in order to save us, that has become the, I mean, post Jesus, that has become the paradigmatic story right. behind every story. You know, you think about every great movie, you think about every great novel, you think about every great story that has ever been told. And, and that's sort of a, it's fundamental heart. The ones that move us the most are typically these stories of sacrifice. Some person sacrificing themselves yeah. for the sake of others, for the sake of a society, for the sake of someone else. For the, I mean, whatever it might be, right? And it's not that those things didn't happen prior to Jesus. I'm sure they did. It's just that it wasn't until Christ that that became kind of the paradigmatic story behind every story as people recognized, you know, just what it what it the significance of that and the significance of those kinds of things. I can remember years and years and years ago when the matrix, that movie first came mm -hmm. out, you might yeah. remember the matrix and you know, the end of that trilogy, right? Neo sort of gives his life in order to save Zion, save all the people. Right. And, and I remember being struck, you know, that like, here is this like, you know, not a Christian movie by any stretch of the imagine. I mean, it involved all kinds of, you know, Eastern philosophy and mysticism right, and all right. kinds of crazy stuff. But then at the very end, at the very end, what's the story they come back to? They come back to the story of a guy, this supernatural being on some level who offers up his life in order to save others. And, yeah. and I think that, I mean, I, I still have this image in my head of him even like sort of laying down almost as if he's like being crucified. Like there's this like cross-like, huh. you know, nature to even like how he sort of finishes off, you know, and right. it's like, right. I mean, we just, at the end of the day, I don't care where you come from. I don't care. I don't care what your background, your perspective is. There's just something about the Christian story mm -hmm that pulls at the deepest, you know, tugs at our deepest heartstrings. And, yeah. and, and, and I think that that goes back to, of course, just how God made us and God shaped us and there's a God-shaped hole in everybody's heart and all that kind of stuff and how God chooses to fill that with Christ. But then again, but then again going back to like, you know, again, this, this sense in which there is hope. And I was talking to an atheist friend of mine recently, and, you know, Again, he thinks that, you know, I'm sort of delusional on some level for believing in this and all of those kinds of things. And I was like, yeah, but man, like, look, there, there is an empty tomb. Mm -hmm. Like, at the end of the day, like, I'm not talking about a, a myth. I'm not talking about a legend. I'm not talking about a story. I'm, I'm talking about a dude. I'm talking about a guy. Yeah. I'm talking about someone who was real, someone you can point to in history who lived in a particular place under a particular empire and did particular things and at the end of the day was crucified. And we know all of this, oh, by the way, not even from the Bible. Like we know this from all kinds of extra biblical literature sure. and all these other things. And then there's this empty tomb. Like no one in 2000 years has produced a body man. Yeah. So what do you do with that? You know, at the end of the day, like what, that's why I believe I'm not, this isn't wishful thinking. This isn't because I'm trying to like cope with the crap in my life. This isn't like, as Freud said, an opiate for the people. That's not what this is. Mm -hmm. That is, that's, that is religion. 
right? That's what Freud right. said about religion. It's the opiate of the people. It's this, I, I think it was Freud that said that. It's this, uh, maybe it was Marx, but it was this idea that, that people come up with this stuff because they can't cope with the reality of right. life. And that's really my atheist friend's argument against me. He's like, well, you can't cope with the stuff in the world, you know, so you have to come up and believe with this in this Christian thing. And I'm like, man, really? Like, I've been to places that you've never been. I've seen poverty and 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 dep- deprivation and on a level that you have never seen. And you think I can't cope with it? And that's why I believe this stuff? Yeah. Come on, dude. No, I believe this because, again, something took place in human history. A baby was born in human history, and that baby changed the world. That baby yeah. grew up and changed the world. And 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 in that way, like trying to help people understand, I think that that that's the difference between authentic, true Christian faith and just going through the motions. Yeah. I you think know? that's the, you've said it. That's, that's one of the struggles I have. I, I just told this to one of my classes actually on mm-hmm. a, a couple days ago. And I said, the, the most challenging part of my job, like I, I can talk till I'm blue in the face yeah. and try to convince you of the historical Jesus. I can point to archeological digs or geographical truths or, right you know, we, we read ancient Greek literature and the number of, I think it's something like 18 original copies of the Iliad survive. And there's over 5,000 of the original manuscripts of scripture. And we, we take the Iliad to have authenticity, but you know, scripture's in doubt or whatever. So I can convince you of the historical facts surrounding Jesus. I can talk to you about the, the authenticity of the Mm -hmm. Bible, but at the end of the day, two things are true. One, you won't want Jesus unless you're convinced of your need for Jesus. Right. And it's really difficult to convince people who feel like they don't need anything. Right. To convince them that they actually do need this. Right. And the other difficult truth to communicate is this idea of, like you, you said, authentic right. Christianity. There are so many people who know about Jesus. Right. But who don't know Jesus. And Jesus isn't... He's not like one of these social trends where you can try for a little bit and then and then not yeah, yeah. experience. You can't return them. And so people who try to do that, they say, well, I tried to, you know, I tried Christianity for a little bit. Right. And as soon as they, I go, oh, no, no it, right. like yeah, you, 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 didn't, you yeah. bought the, That's right. like the, the off brand. That's exactly <laughs> you know? right. That's exactly like right. Like the, yeah, yeah. you, you, you yeah. no, you didn't get the real deal. And that's, yeah. that's scary to people to convince yeah. them first that you actually you're lacking and that you need. That's right. And then secondly, that it's not a, we'll try it for a little bit. And if you don't like it, you return it kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's a, you have to be convinced. And so for me, that's where I go back to, we can debate all kinds of things with our atheist friends, but what you cannot debate is what's happened in my life. Yep. And, and that's, that should fill me with this eager, enthusiastic joy that just mm-hmm. compels me to want to share the, right. the birth of the Savior with everybody. And it should also compel me to live a life that is in itself mm-hmm. compelling. But too many people, their exposure to Christianity is through somebody whose faith is disingenuous. They, they fall into the label of Christian and people see that and they go, oh, well, if that's Christianity, I don't right. want anything to do with that. Yeah. And so my encouragement always is, my testimony is yeah. what I'm going to base this on. Like you can, yeah. you can try to argue these little things, but you can't argue what he's done in my life. And then secondly, if you're in, it's, it, it can't be a toe in the water. No, it's an all or nothing thing. I, I remember something that Martin Luther said centuries ago. He said, you know, it's not enough to believe that Jesus died. You have to believe he died for you. 
That's awesome. In the same way, I would say like Christmas, right? It's not enough to believe Jesus was born. Right. You have to believe he was born for you. That's the difference. That's that. That is, like you said, it's not something you try like an ethical system. Mm-hmm. Like I'll give this a whirl and see if it works for me or not. And if it doesn't, then I'm going to go bail and go do something else. Like that is literally you're not trying Christianity. You're trying something else. Like you said, the off-brand, whatever you want to call it, because this is about a relationship. And that's not a cliche to say, oh, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. No, it is a relationship. That's all it is. And just like any relationship, if you're going to have a relationship, you have to go all in. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's not a relationship. Don't call it that. It's, It's something else, right? I mean, no one like walks into a a marriage, or or they shouldn't walk into a marriage, I should <laughs> say, say, and say, well, yeah, you know, like I got one foot in and one foot out. Yeah. And I'll try it. I'm maybe, try it you know, see, see if it works. Like no one does that. No no one who's serious about marriage does that, right? Your ch- your child's born and you're like, ah, yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll try it. And then if, if, if it doesn't work for me, while well, I'll, I'll, uh, you know, I'll give the kid up for adoption. Like no one does that kind right. of stuff. Like, no, you, you, you understand that in order to be in relationship with other people, if you're going to be in a, in a friendship, in a marriage, a parent, child, whatever it might be, whatever relationship we're talking about, you're talking about something that you've got to be all in on no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's going to require all of you. It's yeah. all or nothing. It's either, you know, you, you don't have kids, if you're not going to be all in with kids. I mean, I was talking to a young couple the other night. Yeah. They have new parents, right? I mean, their their child's like 18 months old and, and he's great. I mean, he's fantastic. I mean, they're great parents. And they were talking about like, oh, you know, this has changed our lives. And I was like, yeah, forever. It should. It should, yeah. you know? And they were like, right, right. And I'm like, and they were just, we were just joking, kind of kind of joking, but laughing, but but also just sort of like dealing with the reality that like, it, it does change your life forever. Mm-hmm. And like, you're no, you're like, life was was more comfortable prior to the kid, right? Because this is a couple that, you know, they both work great jobs. They can pick up and go and travel and do all kinds of wonderful things. And, but they've chosen to have this baby and, and God graced them with this child. And, and now they're like, right, we can't just pick up and go at a moment's notice. Like it, our life now on some level involves this third person Mm -hmm. and this third person actually can't take care of themselves. So we have to do it right. You right. know, and the, the realization of that and like, we have to be all in and, and they are, and that's, what's amazing. They're great parents. And, you know, hopefully they're going to be blessed with more children in the years ahead and all those kinds of things as they kind of plan out their family and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, that's the reality, right? Like yeah. they're all in, you can't, you can't just sort of look at that and go, eh, yeah, you know, maybe I'll feed the kid today. Right. Otherwise, maybe I'll let the kid fin for themselves. <laughs> like no one does that. Right. right. I mean, but they, but we treat Jesus that way. So, some of us treat Jesus that way. That's the and again, if, if that's the approach, you've, you've, you've not just sort of missed parts of it. You've missed the whole thing, mm-hmm. right? You, you, you've missed it by a mile. You might as well be like aiming at something completely radically in the opposite direction because yeah. you're not getting it. Uh, another example, I was talking to a person that used to go to our church and, you know, he really struggled with, you know, the faith and the things of the faith. He's a scientist. And again, he's not an atheist, but he's, you know, he's more of an agnostic, I'd say probably in some of those kinds of things. And our arguments and our discussions always revolved around the fact that he kept approaching this whole Christian thing like it was an ethical system. Hmm. Yeah. He's like, I just love the ethics. I love not lying. I love the honesty. I love the faithfulness. I love the love. I love the grace. I love the forgiveness. I love the ethics of Jesus. And I was like, I love that you love the ethics of Jesus. (laughs) 
but all of it's meaningless, brother, unless you love Jesus. Yeah. And that's, that's what you know? Christmas is. It's, yeah. It serves right. as this reminder of it's not just an historical event. That's right. It's not just this religion. That's right. It's not just this thing. to. It's not an ethical system or something that we like to brag about to make other people think that we're better. Mm-hmm. It's this... It's so much more. I love, I, yeah. I can't remember, you'd probably know this. I don't know if it's Athanasius who said it, but that the gospel is shallow enough for a child to wade in, but deep enough for an elephant to swim in. I remember you that. I know you're talking about, yeah. And yeah. it's like, it's mm-hmm. so true. When I think mm-hmm. back to Christmases of, you know, children filled with wonder and That's you know, right. we talk about the baby in the manger and That's right. whenever you do like a Christmas service, yep. you write the kids up and yeah. That's right. every, you bring them around the manger and all these little four to eight year olds are like, right. wow, like right. that is, that is, I love watching like the little girl play Mary too. There's yeah, always right. like the one that feels yeah, like right. super privileged to hold yeah. the doll or whatever. Yeah. And they have this experience at Christmas that I, whenever I see it, I'm like, yes, that's, I never want to grow old. I never want to grow out of that, that feeling and that reminder of it's so much more. And man, if I could just grab my friends who don't believe this by the lapels and go, what's, what's holding you back? Because they, you're right. They celebrate Christmas. Yeah. They celebrate gift giving and they yeah. celebrate and, and they just talk about yeah. how much they love each other and yeah. how they want peace on earth and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you're missing it. Like you're, right. There's so much more. Right. Well, uh, and it's, it, yeah, that's the difference, right? It's, it's everybody wants peace on earth. The question is, how is it going to come about? Mm-hmm. Right. You can just kind of wish for it. You can kind of place your, your trust in human governments but what, what is thousands of years of human? You? Yeah. How's that working for you? Right. That's a great question. I like, how's that working for you? Right. Yeah. You know, you can place your trust in other religions that aren't based on facts and history. They're not based on historical events. They're not based upon a God who would come to earth and rise again from the dead. You can, you can, I mean, those are all just sort of forms of wishful thinking as well. I remember talking to a Muslim friend of mine, he was an Imam and, and, and he and I would go back and forth and, and I was like, so at the end of the day, man, like, how do you know if you're saved? And he was like, well, you just, you just have to kind of hope <laughs> yeah. that when you appear before Allah, he's merciful. I mean, at the end of the day, you do your best. And then like, you just, you just, and I was like, so like, that's really wishful thinking. I mean, like you're, but some people who claim to be Christians, you know, have the same. I agreed. Agreed. I would agree with that. And so again, that goes back to the difference. It's like, no, no. Like, so he, so he of course turned the question back to me. He's like, well, how do you know you're saved? And I was like, because there was a, God sent his son into the world to die for me and to rise again. Like, that's how I know. It has nothing to do with me. God has guaranteed it with his own life. And so, again, when we talk about Christian hope, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about something that God has guaranteed Mm -hmm. by his own actions, by his own effort, by his own entering history and these kinds of things. And, And so when we talk about a baby being born on Christmas morning we are talking about again a literal baby in a literal manger right who dies on a literal cross and 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 who rises from a literal grave and leaves behind a literal empty tomb like these things are real they're significant and this this baby is is alive yeah and you can have a relationship with him if you're open to it and mm-hmm. and that's and that's the <laughs> you know again like you said there's just no way to there's, there's no way to even compare that to other religions or other things. It's yeah. just in a category all its own, you know? Do you think people, I'm trying to think in, in the, I talk about how Christmas taps into this thing that 
regardless of where you are, there's, there's certain things about human nature that we want to be true about the Christmas story. Yeah. It makes me wonder if the inverse is true in which people feel like something's been built up to the point that when they experience it for themselves, they've been let down. Like if somebody says, oh, let me tell you this funny joke that made, you know, died laughing. It wasn't that funny. Or, oh, this great movie. This is the greatest. I don't know how many times people have told me this is the funniest movie they've ever seen. And then I watch the movie and and I'm waiting. I'm so excited. I'm hopeful. I'm anticipating. I'm all these things. And then I watch the movie and I go, ah. And it just makes me wonder if people have set that up as a defense mechanism for their heart that they feel mm-hmm. like Jesus can't be all that he's cracked up to be huh. that, you know, you're telling me he's good, he's great and all that, but I don't want to, I don't want to get there and be disappointed. And so I'm actually content just to live in yeah. my sort of godless world or, or myself as God, I guess is, is their godless mm-hmm. world. But to those, I would just say, man, I don't know where, <laughs> where you're receiving the story from, like what your source is, but there's so, there's such a great life on the other side of the, of the manger and the cross that I just. Well, again, it goes back to what you trust, I think, right? I mean, and all of us, we're, we're sort of wired to trust ourselves first and foremost, right? And so, I, you know, that's true in human relationships, right? I'm going to trust myself, uh, but, but, it, but it's, it's only when we begin to focus on the other person and sacrifice for the other person and serve the other person mm-hmm. and become vulnerable to the other person that we actually begin to experience the depth of intimacy that God has planned for us, right? Yeah. But you can't do that unless you let go of yourself and, yeah. and your need to be in control and your need to be in charge and, and I'm going to trust myself and my own thing. And you, and you actually extend that trust outward towards the other person, right? That's the only mm-hmm. way intimacy is built. Otherwise, yeah. the, at best, you're going to have a relationship that's sort of like a great business partnership. You do your thing, I'll do my thing, and, and it will, will run on parallel tracks. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, that may be actually an okay thing for some time, but it's never going to actually lead to the intimacy that we were created for, right? right? God created us to be one flesh with another person, but even more than that, God created us to be one with Him. Mm-hmm. And that oneness requires us to be vulnerable and to open ourselves up in relationship to Jesus Christ, not keep Him at a distance as if I can follow His commands without being in relationship with Him, or I can, I can, I can follow His ways, or I can believe in sort of the, the different doctrinal points, right, that make up the Christian system, but actually not be in relationship with him. Like that right. just that's just not how it works. That's not how it was designed to work. It won't it won't work. It doesn't work, in fact. Um, and everybody that I know that sort of follows down that path, I mean, they basically can only hold it together for so long before the whole thing just kind of comes crumbling around. Because why else would you do the things that Jesus asks you to do yeah. unless there was a relationship sort of undergirding that and and again, why else would you hold on to hope, right? Unless there was a Christ child who was born in a manger and God actually intervened in human history to do something about sin and death and the devil. Why else would you hold on to hope in the face of all the evil and the suffering, the pain and the heartache of our world, unless you are utterly convinced that Jesus Christ came to defeat all of those things and to actually make all things new, right? And that's, again, that's what we're talking about. You can't have that hope unless 
you have a relationship with them. Because it's not like something, it, it, I, I remember reading a, a guy named Andrew Murray a couple of years ago, and he has this book called Waiting on God. And he talks about how things like hope, things like peace, things like grace, these are not things that God dispenses to us like out of a vending machine of some kind. Like I go up and I hit like, you know, I put my dollar in and I get E1 grace. Right. And I pull grace out of the machine and I like go do my thing. No, no, no. These are things that are byproducts of us being in relationship with him, of us being in his presence. We only receive them as we are in relationship with him, which I think is just so critical. Mm -hmm. You know, and so as we again, we enter Christmas and we talk about all the things we're talking about. We're talking about hope and we're talking about all the things that God has done. It's really the challenge to all of our listeners and to the people that they know and love and live among and work alongside is this, is do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, do you know the hope that, that, that transcends this world yeah. um, and and have you have you initiated that relationship and have you sought that relationship and and have you you know cultivated that relationship over the course of your life or not mm-hmm. and if not would you like to right I mean that's really the deal right yeah. and I mean I know for 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 you and for me this is everything and so as you think about Robbie what it is you as just bring it down to like maybe the personal yeah. as we close but um you think about your family this year. Yeah. How are you and your family going to intentionally cultivate that uh, time with Jesus in relationship with him this Christmas season? We've talked about all the things you guys do with the mm-hmm. ornaments and all these other things that you do and all that kind of stuff, but what are you going to do to cultivate intentionally your relationship with him so that the hope that you are clinging to doesn't become this sort of ephemeral, sort of wispy, uh, you know, again, wishful thinking, but actually stays grounded yeah. in the truth of the gospel. I think it's <laughs> a brilliant question. And I think it's, it sounds funny, but I think I, I wrestle with that. I mean, besides more coming to hear me preach, Christmas. I mean, of course. Yeah, yeah. Other you than, will, you will show other up on Christmas Doug Eve Wrestler to hear preach. Doug Ressler preach, and that will help you immensely. No, I, no I'm just kidding. I'm very yeah. aware yeah. that my, the spiritual climate in my home is set by me either mm-hmm. by what I do or what I don't do. Yeah. I'm very aware mm-hmm. of that. So my passivity will teach as mm-hmm. much as my sure. activity will yeah. teach. And so my regospeling of myself is always I'm I know I'm I'm not yet the man, the fully the man that God ordained mm-hmm. me to be. I'm on this wonderful journey and for my family, I love, I love giving them a vision for their future based on the giftings that I see in them, mm. based on uh, just the, the, the talents and abilities and where they're at in life, and to call them to something more than what the world expects of them. Yeah. And I think that informs our gift giving mm-hmm. at Christmas, you know, people have their different, yeah. we give a gold or frankincense a myrrh kind of gift, or we give a, yeah. you know, something personal, something collective, something, whatever. But for me, I think it all, my wife and I sit there and go, who, who do we see in our sons, Josiah, Micah and Elijah and our daughter, Sariah and, and who God's wired them to be. Mm-hmm. And how can we encourage that so that, 
so that the here and now isn't ephemeral. It isn't right. this thing that they grow tired of and just right. going like, well, well, someday I'll arrive. No, 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 that, that day's here. Yeah. Like you're, you're already stepping into that. And our yeah. job as parents is to equip and prepare you for what's next and to, and to call you to that. So we, yeah. I mean, it's, it's everything from, we always read scripture yep. together yep. Christmas yep. morning. We always practice kind of an Advent rhythm of some sort. Mm. Yes, we do come to the Christmas, this, mm-hmm. this year, Christmas day services, right? Not Christmas Eve. Right. That, that'll be right. a little unique. Right. Right. Um, and I think there's always just a reminder of, well, it's Christmas Eve day. Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, because Christmas Sunday. Sunday. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah, what it is. Yeah. yeah. So we're doing the the four yeah. services. On, if you come on here on Christmas, Christmas Day, you'll be with the Indian that's, community upstairs. Right. They're awesome. They're, they're, <laughs> that would be they're sweet, doing actually. an incredible thing for their Hindu friends. It's right. unbelievable. It's just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, it's amazing. So those yeah. those things, we, we pray yeah. for one another. Yeah. That's another, like, it yeah. was so yeah. special to get to the point where we could sit kind of in a circle and say, I'm going to pray for you. You're going to pray for her. She's going to pray for him. And like... And to hear your children pray for one another, yeah. Um, and I, it's it's the best. Yeah. <laughs> so, at a practical level, um, I think my job as a dad is to constantly lay sort of the mm-hmm. the kindling of God's goodness at their feet, so that the Holy Spirit ignites that. Yeah. And sets them. And when you're talking ablaze. about kindling, you're talking about like alder wood, right? I'm talking about all kinds of things. Yeah. Just it's that it's the reminder of isn't God good? Like look at what God said. Remember a yeah. year ago we were right. sitting around and doing this. You were worried about, and now look like this is amazing. Like this yeah. is my fourth kid who's who's doing the college application process. And yeah. a year. So, so another thing that we do is is we have a little note card that we put in our stockings. Oh great! Here, here yeah. comes another sherry yeah. thing, right? But when we pull out our stockings, we pull out. It's now years. I mean, I think we probably have eight or nine years yeah. worth of these things. And it says, we reflect on the year. So we, we hang the stockings or whatever, mm-hmm. and we do the Christmas. But before we, before we pack stuff up, it's usually sometime between Christmas and New Year's. We, we all pull out our cards and we, we reflect on the year before and we go, wow, look at all the things that God did for us. Yeah. And we each have our own individual ones that we haven't yeah. shared with each other. Yeah. And then we flip the card and on the other side, I our hopes, dreams, desires, goals, whatever for the yeah. coming year. Yeah. And then we kind of roll through those and go, man, I, uh, like I wanted to do more writing one yeah. year and right. you sit in front of your whole family and go, man, one of mine wants to do more writing. And you know yeah. what? I didn't. Yeah. And, and, but you're the whole family goes, but dad, you've got, man, you've got more time. There'll be fewer yeah. kids at yeah. home. And like they put it on your card for next year. Okay. Or you right. like, my goal was to do this. One of the goals we had as a family was to climb a 14 er mountain in yeah. Colorado. We've never done it. And this year, the Christmas card is all of us at the top of a 14 er yeah. just because we yeah. all needed to check that box. Yeah. Otherwise, for some reason, you're a fraudulent Colorado. You are. If you, you if are. You pretty much. Or yeah, something. Yeah, that's right. So that's just something of the reminders of God's goodness, the encouragement from your family to, uh, to step more fully into the man or woman God's called you to be, to recognize both in yourself and in others, like those, those truths, and then to ride with confidence into the new year of just going, yeah. wow, isn't God amazing? And he's not yeah. done with me yet. And yeah, what you're, it go. sounds like what you're doing. And I, I, we try and do the same thing different in different ways, but it, you know, it's really all about understanding we're doing this life with God. Yeah. 
He's a living, breathing presence in our home. He's a living, breathing presence in our lives. And as we cultivate that awareness of that, so whether it's note cards and look at all that God's doing, or it's, it's uh, you know, just again affirmations, like we talked about a couple times ago at Thanksgiving, like, hey, this is what I see God doing in mm-hmm. you. This is what the things that we're thankful for, the gratefulness or whatever it might be. It's, it's really about um, engaging life in such a way that, that Jesus Christ is a living, breathing presence in your home, in your life, and, and boy, when you can do that, then again, what gets imparted to you are all the gifts that God promises, the gifts of the Spirit, right? You know, the love, the joy, yeah. the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faith, all, all of those things, right? And, and in particular, uh, during the Christmas season, this sense of hope, this sense of like, yep, undergirding all the problems that our world is having, undergirding all the problems that I may be having, because it's not mm-hmm. just the world, it's I may be having these issues. We talked about it a few, you know, several episodes ago, like the chaos that my life is in, mm-hmm. the pain and the suffering that I'm going through, the evil that I've experienced, the injustice that I've experienced. Undergirding all of that is this hope, and this hope doesn't ever disappoint. It doesn't sure. ever let you down. It's actually a sure and certain hope that will help you prevail all the way to the end. I remember talking to a friend of mine who's African-American, and He's experienced a lot of injustice in his life. Uh, But like a lot of African-American Christians that I've met, man, there is this hope that undergirds him despite all of these negative things that have occurred that would jade, right? could rightfully just jade you against the church and against Jesus and all Mm -hmm. these other things. And yet for him, it just... It's just, again, a living, breathing reminder to him that whereas human, human beings will let you down, human, human government will let you down, human institutions will let you down, even the church will let you down, Jesus Christ will not ever let you down. And that's the hope that he has in the face, again, of everything that he's experienced. And he and I were talking about that recently and just exchanging messages on that, just thinking yeah. about that and you know, sharing with him, same, similar out of my own life, right? I mean... He is just, he is just there. And again, that's everything we celebrate in Christmas. There's not another religion that I can think of in this world whose God would literally tear open the heavens and come to earth and become one of us and, and not just become one of us, but humble himself to suffer and die for us in order that he might save us. That is the uniqueness to the Christian story um, that again, happened in human history. It didn't happen you know, in the, you know, in some, you know, far away, you know, backwaters, you know, place. No, it happened in Jerusalem, in the Middle East, yeah. like it, in a very public way. And uh, as a result, um, the world will never be the same. And so that's what we celebrate on Christmas. It's a powerful thing, man. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time, Robbie, this, yeah, uh, this fall and, and, and doing this uh, with me. And uh, thanks as always to Jake and to Billy. Uh, Merry Christmas, guys. Merry you Christmas. continue to do uh, an awesome job making us sound so good. Please keep listening as we dive deeper into what it means to follow Jesus in the spring. Uh, we'd love your comments and your reviews on whatever platform you choose to listen to your podcast and just encourage you to subscribe to stay tuned as we release more episodes uh, this in the coming months. Uh, we'll talk to you next time.